0: Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio 975 and 1240
1: KFH. All right, welcome back everybody to another Sports Daily, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you today. Glad to be here with you today on this Thursday. On this Pop Tarts Bowl day, we'll talk K-State. Uh, and their game against NC State coming up in just a little while. Our K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald will join us to help break that one down. We'll have our betting insider Chelsea Messenger on uh, to help us with all the bets to make uh, over the next few days. That's coming up a little later in this hour. I'm Jacob Albrock alongside Tommy Caster, Max power producing for us today. Glad to be here with you on the program today. Uh, Tommy, It's uh, it's been it's been kind of a slow week, I think a little bit, but we get a pretty big bombshell yesterday. How are you?
2: I'm good. Did you celebrate uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl Day with some Pop-Tarts this morning?
1: I did not. Uh, I did not. You know, are you I, a
2: Pop-Tarts guy?
1: I was as a kid. Oh, man, yes. I was a Pop-Tarts guy. I loved Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Uh, give me unfrosted. Strawberry, I think was my was my flavor or unfrosted cherry, one of the red ones, but unfrosted, I think they're better without the frosting. Um, I, I I could eat them plain or toasted. They are better toasted, but yeah, I would mow through those things. We get them now for our kids occasionally and they kind of like them. not not a tremendous amount. But then you go to homegrown here in town and have those pop tarts, oh, and those that are just amazing. That just ruins pop tarts for you. And I think they had a little run in with the actual pop tarts companies, Now they had to change. I don't know what they call them now, but those are good. But yeah, yeah I, I was I grew up and man, I ate a ton of pop tarts. You?
2: I'm a brown sugar cinnamon guy for yeah. sure. That's the goat yeah. of pop tarts as far as I'm concerned. I like the s'mores also, but uh, man, brown sugar cinnamon like that's the way to go. I could I could devour. You know, maybe a whole box of brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts at any given setting. So I can't have them around because otherwise it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bad deal.
1: I don't know that I ever ate those as a pop tart officially. I have those at Homegrown and they are incredible. Uh, so I sh- probably should have gone back to brown sugar cinnamon, uh, but I didn't. But th- there's about now a days there's about eight billion different kinds of pop tarts you can get. Uh, so. You know, for to each is I love what they've done with the bowl. I love the absurdity of some of these bowls, putting the Pop Tarts in the trophy, all that stuff. Like, that's how you have bowls that aren't like the main five or six. Like, you just make them ridiculous, like the mayo bowl and all of those things because it becomes a part of the fun. The
2: mayo bowl way. Yeah. So Neil Brown, the coach of West Virginia, of course, they won the Mayo Bowl yesterday. They beat North Carolina. Oh, he did got they? I didn't doused. even know that's what that game was. Yeah. He got doused with uh, a bunch of mayo. And, you know, people were wondering at the beginning of the season if he was going to keep his job. And so I wonder what's worse, losing your job as a head coach and getting a, like a 13 million dollar buyout or winning a bowl game. But you have to be dumped like with a jar of mayonnaise on your head. Yeah, I
1: don't know. They kind of came on at the end of the year. I mean, they won nine games this year. He's not in danger of losing his job anymore, is he? I
2: mean, he was at the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah, Yeah, they were terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then all of a sudden, they're nine and four. I mean, that's pretty wild how they've turned their season around uh, from being just absolutely awful to good. Uh, So good, good day for the Big 12 and the bowl games. If we want to talk about that for just a second, just sort of a recap, as you've got Oklahoma State uh, winners over Texas A&M as well. And, you know, like, again, I I say this all the time, but I don't know what to make of any of this because, like, Kansas State playing tonight doesn't look like Kansas State has looked all year long, right? I I mean, it's not Kansas State. It's it's a collection of young players that are getting an opportunity after a bunch of players leave. Uh, But with that being said, Texas Tech has a win right now. I believe, Tommy, the only loss in a bowl game for the Big 12 is UCF lost their bowl game. Otherwise, uh, we've got some wins here between Texas Tech winning a game, Oklahoma State winning a game, Kansas, of course, winning a game, uh, and West Virginia winning a game. So that's good. That's good for the Big 12. That's, so they're
2: 5-1. Uh, and one. Is that right in bowl games so far? I think six teams have played in their bowl games from the Big I 12. I so. It, I think that would make them 5-1. and one.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think they're five and one, and they're in good shape and doing an awesome job, and we love to see that again. Even though I don't think that's some larger discourse on the season, because every single one of these games is different, based on you know North Carolina didn't have Drake May last night, so it, you know what what are we I, what are we doing here? And everybody's dealing with it. I don't want to downplay it either. Everybody's the- dealing with the same thing.
2: How about the kid from USC that comes in and starts his first-ever college football game and throws six touchdown passes, and all of a sudden, USC wins the the Holiday Bowl against Louisville, who was a top-15 team, by the way?
1: All of a sudden, Will Howard gets a little more interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of that, except I didn't like seeing it because I want to see Will Howard step in there and be the starter. I, I, and by the way, I don't think we've had an official announcement on that. I, I do not. I mean, and that— that was interesting last that night. That might be
2: certainly. why. Might be why there hasn't been an official announcement. I, I
1: made me wonder. Okay. The news of the day yesterday, though, is Russell Wilson being benched by the Broncos. Um, they can say whatever they want. This is a move financially so that he doesn't get hurt and guarantee his money next year. Like Russell Wilson has not been bad this year at all. I mean, he's not been like You know, he's not an MVP candidate or anything, but what does he have? Like the seventh best passer rating in football. Most recently in a game, he completed 67% of his passes for 238 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He's thrown one pick in his last three games. Uh, You know, like Russell Wilson's been fine. 3000 yards this year, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Statistically, he's been better than Patrick Mahomes. Yet he gets benched by the Broncos. So, and 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 they you know Jarrett, to get a look at Jarrett Stidham like <laughs> shut up like just say hey this is a financial move and we need to make sure we're in the position we want to be in next year so we're going to we're going to sit Russell Wilson down Russell Wilson tweets last night that uh, god's got me looking forward to what's next what a weird situation and what a disaster overall of a decision to trade for him it's interesting because again, like he wasn't good at the beginning of last year. He kind of got okay late, and then he's been fine this year. It's a weird situation. Like, everyone's like, "Oh, what a terrible trade!" And I'm like, "Yeah, well, Russell Wilson hasn't really been the total problem there. It's not been like an, a Russell Wilson exclusive issue the last couple of years in Denver."
2: Yeah, Sean Payton had a comment, and I don't know exactly the timing of this. If this happened within the last 24 hours, or... If this was something that he said a while back, but somebody asked him, a reporter asked him about the way that the offense has gone with Russell Wilson. And, you know, basically the reporter was saying, we feel like Russell Wilson is getting more of the blame than he's like deserving of. And Sean Payton makes some comment about, well, I can't get a new offensive line and I can't get brand new receivers and all of that. You know, basically saying, you know, the team that is on the field, especially offensively is not the team that he wants. We knew that. When Sean Payton was hired by the Broncos right like the disaster last season to me the Sean Payton hire never made sense for the Broncos and I never thought that way that Russell Wilson likes to conduct his business and the way that Sean Payton likes to conduct his whatever work together I never thought that that marriage was going to last I did think it might go a little bit longer than what it actually has But we saw Sean Payton blow up on Russell Wilson on the sideline. That's something that I don't think, you know, Wilson is accustomed to. It's not like Pete Carroll ever did that to him in Seattle. This marriage never really seemed like it was going to really be a fruitful one. And now we know that Wilson's getting benched. He's probably going to get cut. I don't think that Wilson is done in the NFL as a starter. I really don't. I mean, I think that there will be a team that will take a chance on him, especially now that he's going to be cut. A team doesn't have to take on his contract; they can negotiate with him. I wonder what that's going to look like and what team is gonna, going to be willing to do that. But I do think there's a team in the NFL that will.
1: Yeah, look, I do too. Just because he hasn't played poorly, he's been fine, and yeah. and there are plenty of teams that could use him. I and you know, I, I don't know that he would go somewhere and be like a, a backup or something. But he could go I think somewhere. He be a starter. Well, I do too. I'm just like, I, you know, maybe that's not the opportunity he even cares about at this point. Like, he, he can be another option for a lot of teams. Not everybody's going to get the quarterback they want in the draft this year. So, for example, like, what if the, you know, the Raiders end up, you know, finishing strong, don't have a high enough pick to get this quarterback? You can't bring in Russell Wilson for a year? He doesn't make you a little bit better? Of course he does. And so... Like I the, the the Sean Payton part of this is interesting. I thought when they hired Sean Payton, it told me that they were done with Russell Wilson, because I agree with you. They, they those two were weren't going to work together most likely. So when they hired him, I I am pretty sure I would said it publicly, but it, I know that I thought it. Like they better be willing to give him like four or five years, because they're going to have to start over from the mess yep. they created with the Russell Wilson trade. Not all only the
2: financial implications, all the financial, all,
1: all the draft picks that they lost to Seattle. So, like, you can't bring Sean Payton in there for an instant fix. Now, I will say they're better this year, I think, probably than most people thought that they would be after watching them last year. And so they still do have some pieces, right? They still have a few good receivers. And I think most people generally like Javante Williams and the defense played much better. So Denver's problem now is, okay. Now you got to go find a quarterback though. That's that's going to give you a better chance than Russell Wilson. And I think that's the part of the Sean Payton hire maybe that we didn't see coming because you either assume they were going to be terrible or that Russell Wilson would be but the but the problem with the situation is is that Russell Wilson's been good, kind of good, like better than average. And so now what do you do? How are you how is Denver going to go find a quarterback now? Right?
2: Like I that, that's the issue here. Well, and the, the issue too is that if the contract for Russell Wilson wasn't so terrible, then they could potentially find a trade partner for Russell Wilson that he could go and provide that team value right away. They can maybe get draft picks back, they could maybe get another quarterback. There are these other options that they could potentially have done, but that financial contract was so bad for Wilson. There's not a team in the league, I don't care how quarterback Manny you are, that would be willing to take on that contract that Russell Wilson has. This will go down in NFL history as the worst trade and contract extension of no, all time. No, there is Deshaun no Watson. Doubt will. About Deshaun that. Watson's
1: trade and contract are way worse. Deshaun Watson sucks and they gave up will... way more draft capital.
2: But the, the I mean the the Browns are still in a situation where that that's it hasn't really come to light yet as of right now. I think that the Russell Wilson one is worse. Now, will ultimately the Deshaun Watson one be As bad or worse? Maybe, but the jury is still out on that. We don't exactly know. Like, the dust hasn't settled with Deshaun Watson yet, fully 100%. Right now, the Russell Wilson trade and contract extension looks terrible because there's nothing the Broncos can do other than just cut him, eat that money, take that cap hit, and they're not going to get any value in return for him at all. They gave away Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, a ton of draft picks to get Russell Wilson for a season and... 3 quarters where they didn't win games, they're cutting him loose and they just have to eat that cost.
1: So Deshaun Watson's trade was three first round picks, uh a third, a fifth and all of that money essentially. And they've got nothing out of him and here's why it's way worse to me. They they're on the hook for all of the money. Denver's got somewhat of an out here on some of the money at least. That's why you don't do deals like they did for Deshaun Watson.
2: Insane. like the yeah,
1: for, a, money, for a little bit.
2: For sure, but it's still going to hinder them. You know, like if you're going to go out and, you know, try to sign free agents or whatever to try to make your team better and you know you've got that that dead money, that cap hit and everything with the the Wilson contract cutting him loose. Man, I mean, like it, and we knew it at the time when, when they traded for him and they brought him in. Nobody thought that that contract was good. Everybody was scratching their heads like, what are they What are they doing here? You know, and then you hear all the speculation that really the Broncos wanted Aaron Rodgers. And that was why they hired Nathaniel Hackett. And then Rodgers didn't end up going oh, sure to Denver is. and all like yeah. all of these different things surrounding it. It's been a drama filled couple of years for Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Now they have to start basically from scratch. And they don't have the resources, I think, to be able to do anything right away to make them even remotely better.
1: They do have a first-round pick this year. They get, I think, pick 14 or so based right now. They're not going to find their quarterback. That's the problem. They don't have probably the draft capital it will take to trade up. They're going to have to get very lucky and or go Think about, after... by the way,
2: if that Russell Wilson contract was not as bad, and if the the money, the dead, you know, money and the, and the cap hit and all of that wasn't that bad and there was actually trade value for Russell Wilson, the first team that I thought about was it was the Chicago Bears thought, you know, Wilson could go and he could be, you know, maybe a, a right away upgrade from Justin Fields. And then the Bears can move away from Justin Fields. The Broncos can start fresh. Sean Payton can mentor uh, Justin Fields, and then the Bears can draft really well around Russell Wilson. That was the first thing I thought of. Like you could have a really blockbuster trade with those two teams, but Wilson has no trade value, so that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a mess, and it's funny that you know they're both ta- both trades are terrible, and and we'll maybe spend some more time or maybe another time spend some time on which trade was worse. But the fact is they were probably the two worst and it, and they were both like bred out of this desperation to do something. And, and probably because seeing the Rams make it work and it was like, well, we just got to do what they did. Right. It's such a copycat league and it's like, Oh no, that these are like, neither one of them looked good at the time they made it. It was like, what, that's not going to work. Uh, and it didn't, and it hasn't, and it won't in the case of Cleveland. Absolutely not. It's the Flacco Browns now. Um, not Deshaun Watson's an afterthought. Like, who, who even cares about that guy at this point? All right, 869-1240 is the IHOP hotline. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, joining us on that IHOP hotline, our pal Chelsea Messenger. Come in, talk a little betting with us here on Sports Daily. We'll do it next. Stay right there.
2: Phone call is welcome. 869-1240. Sports Daily on 97.5 and 1240. KFA.
1: Six nine twelve forty time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. We welcome in our pal Chelsea Messenger here to the program. Chelsea, we are so glad to have you again on the line, the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast. For more Chelsea Messenger analysis, just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcast. Chelsea, how are you?
0: Good morning. Big matchup between some of the listeners, probably, school, K-State, and my yeah. school, which is NC State, playing in oh, the no. vaunted Pop-Tarts Bowl, which, if you are <laughs> wondering, they have decided strawberry is going to be the filling for the edible pop Tart at the end of the game. I'm looking forward to it.
1: That's a good choice. Uh, this, I think this was at one—this is the Tangerine Bowl initially, right? That's I think that's what this was— uh you know, back way back in the day. Um, I look, it's a it's a weird one. Maybe you can tell us about your Wolfpack. For K-State, you know, it's a new quarterback that everybody's excited about. They've had a ton of players transferring in and out. They're favored by two and a half. I don't know how you go about these games, Chelsea. Any of them other than the the CFP games, because it like rosters are in shakeup. You never know motivations. Like it's so weird trying to look at bowl games and bet them
0: exactly i think there are a lot of moving parts to these bowl games it's almost like bowl game bingo where you have oh you've got a quarterback transferring you've got a head coach who is no longer there you have you know 15 plus guys that are entering the transfer portal so it makes it really difficult uh we can talk about this nc state k-state matchup just for a second because we are seeing the line move towards nc state this line opened k-state land four and a half now it's down to one and a half in some spots. So clearly, some money coming in on my Wolfpack. I will say this: they do have the veteran quarterback in Brennan Armstrong, and he's strung together a couple of good games. But still, the ceiling is pretty low for Brennan Armstrong. There is a reason he stuck around uh, and transferred and uh, got benched in the middle of the season for NC State because sometimes, you know, the talent just isn't there for Brennan Armstrong. I will say the best player on NC State is choosing not to play in this game. Peyton Wilson, their linebacker, is going to play in the NFL. And that's been the calling card for NC State all season long, has been their defense. So when you have basically the quarterback of that defense not playing in this game, I think that is a big hole to fill. Um, I I have trouble picking my own school because I don't want to sound like a homer, but that does feel like where the money is going it's definitely not my favorite play because NC State has let me down many a times, but it does feel like the money is going in that direction because of the opt-outs we've seen for K-State.
2: You know, I know that you mentioned a couple minutes ago about how difficult it is to bet bowl games, but so far early on in bowl season, are you seeing any kind of trends? Like, does it look like games are typically hitting the over, or, I mean, or is there really no trend at all that we've seen thus far?
0: Yeah, no trends. Every time you think you have something figured out, the opposite will happen. Because yeah. last night I was thinking to myself, okay, if rain is in the forecast, do you really want to trust a double-digit favorite? But Virginia Tech still covered last night and pouring rain in that game. Because uh, we have a similar situation today with SMU, who has been cruising along this season, uh, coming in hot. They might be a little disappointed that they're not playing in a New Year's, uh, New Year's Six Bowl But still, 10-and-a-half-point favorites against Boston College. Wow, this line's gone all the way up to 12-and-a-half. So clearly people are not afraid to back SMU in this spot. Uh, I think the main thing is people love to talk about their offense and how prolific this team is at putting up points, but their defense, year-over-year, one of the best improvements we have seen by a defense in all of college football. So Boston College, uh, not an especially strong team, despite coming out of the ACC, I think uh, I would take it SMU, but the big sabotage factor is it is supposed to be played in pouring rain. So I think that's the problem for me in a lot of these games this weekend for the slate. You will like a play, but there is one big landmine that stands in your way. And looking at the Oklahoma game, they have a stud blue-chip prospect starting at quarterback that makes me not want to fade Oklahoma, even though – Kind of like Arizona in that one. 10-2 against the spread so far this season. Under the radar, one of the better teams to bet on college football. Uh, But like I said, bowl season has been very tough. Uh,
1: It's been tough. There are games, though, I think that you can lock in on, and those are the CFP games. We know players are playing there. You've got Michigan right now sitting as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. You've got Texas sitting as a four-point favorite. We won't talk to you again before those games are played on New Year's Day. What are we thinking about the games that actually matter uh, in a very clear way, Chelsea?
0: I think it's a little fishy that the Alabama-Michigan and line has not moved because we do see a majority of the money come in on Alabama, and it doesn't, doesn't it feel like that's the narrative? Right now is Alabama super hot. You don't want to go against Nick Saban in a bowl game. Uh, But this line hasn't moved at all. It's by, I believe, 60% of the money on Alabama right now. So that one I'm a little nervous about betting on. But I do think I like the points and Washington. Uh, Taking Washington plus four and a half against Texas, I still think there's a chance that Texas wins, but maybe does not cover. Uh, But I think that Texas, their strength is stopping the run. And we saw that against Oklahoma State. But Washington, we know, has a very talented passing attack. Of course, led by Michael Penix Jr., a Heisman candidate, and several NFL-caliber wide receivers. I think it's going to be a real problem for Texas in that secondary, especially in the middle of the field. That's when they they have been the most vulnerable. So I'll take the points in Washington in that one. Not so sure about Alabama and Michigan.
2: Looking ahead to a national championship game, Chelsea. From a betting perspective, is there a matchup that you think is better than the others potentially as far as betting is concerned? Are we looking at you know, potentially Michigan and Texas or Alabama and Washington? Is there one that you're locked into that from a betting perspective you're like, man, I really want to see that because I think that there could be a good angle there?
0: I do think Texas could match up particularly well against Alabama or Michigan. Obviously, we have already seen Texas match up with Alabama – although that was much earlier in the season. Jalen Milro still had some progressing to do. Uh, so I do think I kind of want Texas to advance because I think maybe they have a better shot at defeating whoever wins out of Alabama and Michigan. But what a story Washington's been. Uh, but we have seen how swiftly good stories can come to an end. Almost feels like Washington is the TCU of last season. So we'll see. I just hope for a good game in the national championship And I do think Texas probably brings the best opportunity for that.
1: All right, Chelsea, let's talk a little NFL. Um, It is, you know, we're kind of getting down to the nitty gritty here. Uh, Thursday night football tonight, Jets Browns, the Flacco's taking on, uh, I don't know who's going to start for the Jets. I think Simeon again. So it's, Mm -hmm. you've got, you've got backup quarterbacks in, but Flacco's playing anything other than a backup quarterback. They're at home seven and a half points, you know, Jets-Browns actually was a little bit of intrigue last night, despite no Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, which is what I'm sure Amazon was counting on at the beginning of the year. But this one shouldn't be too bad.
0: Yeah, and this is a meaningful game for Cleveland because when and they're in. They win this game. They are in the postseason. So clearly a big-time home game for Cleveland. And this has been where they have been really good, at home and as favorites. This year at home, straight up 7-1. and one. And against the spread when playing at home, and in their last five games as favorites, five and zero oh straight up and against the number. So when Cleveland is favored, it's usually a pretty solid bet. And some of these spreads have been pretty big uh, in these situations that I am talking about. Seven and a half makes me a little nervous in a game that has a total of thirty-four and a half points. Clearly, points are going to be at a premium. And here's the caution flag that I would throw at people saying, "Oh, Joe Flacco and his passing offense has been, you know, spot on, spectacular." This is the number one most bet on prop prop tonight. Joe Flacco over his passing yards, 233 and a half. Something you need to realize is some of those matchups in which he's thrown over 300 yards passing have been some of the weakest secondaries in the NFL. Like going into the Texans game last week, the Texans were giving up the fourth most passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. Not the same deal when facing the New York Jets. The New York Jets are the number one hardest matchup when it comes to fantasy, when it comes to yards, for opposing quarterbacks. So I know it's been a great story for Joe Flacco so far, but don't be shocked, you know, if the output is a little bit less tonight against this Jets team that has guys like Sauce Gardner, who's been great when guarding number one receiver. So I'm a little torn on it, but I would lean towards Cleveland uh, laying the seven or the seven and a half.
2: You know, it's crazy when you look at the points in this game. I mean, it looks like, the over-under is an Iowa Hawkeyes game. I mean, it's 34 mm-hmm. for tonight, and I know that everything tells me to bet the under with the way that Cleveland's defense plays and Trevor Simeon starting for the Jets. And then what, everything that you just mentioned about the Jets secondary taking on Joe Flacco, the fact that it's a primetime game and the way that the unders you know, typically go with those. Is there anything that would talk you out of going with the under at 34? I mean, that point total is very, very low. I wouldn't think that it'd be that difficult to get more than 34 points. But, I mean, what do you think about that?
0: I think the number's too low because there is a price on everything. Yes, the handicap is. These are two of the best defenses in the league. But at a certain point, you look at the number and say, okay, I don't want to hold my nose and bet an under here. Uh, Because both of these offenses do have some good pieces. Now, the Jets' offense, I'm pretty worried about. Uh, Trevor Simeon does not scare me going against this Cleveland Browns defense. But still, they've got some pieces. Brees Hall, we know, can do electric things with the ball. I do kind of like his receiving prop uh, prop tonight. Uh, And Garrett Wilson, you know, uh, defending rookie of the year on the offensive side of the ball. But this number is just too low for me. So I don't think I will be playing a total here. I think I'm only looking at possibly Cleveland minus uh, 75 And Brees Hall over his receptions prop, four and a half. That's plus money. It's certainly not a guarantee because Brown's defense is really good. But he has been heavily involved in the receiving game. Uh, Last week, he had 16 targets. 16. That's like a receiver. He had 96 receiving yards. He has hit over four and a half receptions in five of his last six games. That's plus 120 tonight. I think I like that if you're looking for a plus money play.
1: Yeah, I, I see another one here, Chelsea. Rushing and receiving yards combined, Brees Hall to go over a hundred right now at BetMGM MGM is plus one hundred seventy-five. Um I kind of like that. That that's that seems like good money on on Brees the Beast. Brees has been hard though, because when they play bad defense, it, well, here's the reason, by the way, Chelsea. I don't know if you knew this. We may have talked about this before. Brees is from Wichita. Uh so he's mm-hmm. like a homegrown guy. But so he When they play bad defenses, it seems like they sort of go away from him a little bit. Do you think, like, can we see anything from last week where maybe they finally open their eyes? And I know it's Nathaniel Hackett who has a bad history of this, but, like, he is their offense. No matter what the right. situation is, get him the ball.
0: I think so, too. But you got to be careful on the rushing and receiving because I do think it's a really tough matchup against the run. And that's why I went over receptions instead of receiving yards. Just because I think they will Got feed it. him the ball, I just don't know how effective he is going to be against what looks to be a very tough you know, matchup on paper against this defense. And especially if you think that the game script is going to be negative, if you think the Jets are going to be losing this game, I'm not sure how effective he will be in the run game if he's not getting 20 carries. Because last game was against the Commanders, one of the worst defenses in the league. Right. I think
2: that's a little different. Man, I'm really excited for the Saturday night primetime game—the Cowboys and the Lions. Taking a look at the percentage from the public right now, the majority of people have the Cowboys on the money line, but the Lions to cover the spread. Uh, it's a five and a half right now, from what I can tell. What do you think about this game? The Cowboys, of course, fell to the Dolphins a week ago. Is this a game that they should bounce back on, or can the Lions continue on with what they've been doing?
0: I do think that the Cowboys win because what has been the narrative for the Cowboys all season long. They're amazing at home. 7 and 0 at home this season. But does the Lions look like a team that, you know, needs 6 points? I think the number's a little too high for me to stomach here. Uh, so there's a good chance that Dallas rolls in this one and absolutely, you know, piles up the yardage here cuz that's what they do at home. But still, I don't think I'm willing to put the Lions in that position. Like, you look at teams who, you know, maybe deserve to be getting six points. I don't think the the Lions are really in that category for me. Uh, So I would lean towards the Cowboys, but it would make me nervous.
1: All right. uh, As we look also around the NFL, Chelsea, what has our – we'll get to the Chiefs specifically in just a minute, but what else should we be looking at this Sunday?
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about Travis Kelsey because he Mm. is in an absolute smash spot for tight ends. The Bengals are allowing the most receiving yards to opposing tight ends. But is Travis Kelsey broken? I think that's the question people want to know. No, Uh, No, he is not. (laughs) Right. Back-to-back performances of, what, 40 receiving yards? So you get almost a comically low number for somebody who used to be posted in the 80s routinely. 62-and-a-half receiving yards. That's the number for Travis Kelsey this weekend against the easiest matchup for opposing tight ends. The Chiefs are in a desperate spot, and wouldn't you think that Patrick Mahomes will still feed him the ball? He's had at least seven targets in back-to-back games, so it's not like the targets aren't there. So I think if there were anything to play in that Chiefs game, it would be that, and to you know, matchup-wise, that's one of the best matchups of the entire slate.
1: He's I think mad that leads too, in, Chelsea, uh, which, which matters, don't you think, Tommy? Kelsey's mad. Yeah. He's he's like, and I know that hasn't played out well for him. You know, th- so far, like him being frustrated hasn't been a good thing. But at some point, it, they're going to, I, th- the game is coming where he just goes off, I think.
2: Yeah, I, and I think that that leads into a, a really good question about the Chiefs in general from a betting perspective. How do you handicap a, a team that makes so many self-inflicted mistakes you know and, and so like looking at the game this weekend I mean they're seven point favorites but they have you know basically shot themselves in the foot and, and, and the mistakes they made against the Raiders a week ago on Christmas Day Chelsea that led to 14 points for the Raiders and that was on the Chiefs making those mistakes so how do you handicap a team like that when they are so prone to shooting themselves in the foot
0: I think the answer on what the Chiefs really are is somewhere in between. Because I don't think they're as bad as what we saw against the Raiders. Clearly, they're not going to hand the ball over that many times. But still, they were double-digit favorites in that game. They didn't even come close to covering. Uh, so at some point, you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, this is what this team is. Because early on in the season, I think we all said, okay, well, eventually the Chiefs are going to chase. They're going to be back to their winning ways, right? Uh, at this point, I just feel like the line is too high. Uh, against the spread, they have not been uh, good at covering. And it's not been like in years past because we've had really good Chiefs teams that just didn't cover because the lines were too high. But the Chiefs are losing some of these games outright. Uh, right now sitting at 4-4 four and four against the spread at home. So you're looking at a touchdown spread against Cincinnati, a team that I think can play from behind, like even if the Chiefs are winning. Cincinnati has a pretty solid passing attack. That the back door feels like it would be wide open for Cincinnati here. So I think what you do with a team like Kansas City, you don't play them. You either play the other side or you don't play them at all.
1: What else is your favorite bet? Are your favorite bets this weekend in the NFL, Chelsea?
0: This one seems kind of square, but I think I like it. I'm going to go over 47 between the Ravens and the Dolphins. These are the two fastest teams. In the NFL, I think we all knew that about the Dolphins, with Tyreek Kill, Jalen Waddle expected to play in this one. I believe uh, last check, I know he's kind of banged up, but look at the Ravens. I don't know if you've been watching them play, but the way that some of their receivers move, boy, are they fast as well. And of course, I haven't even talked about Lamar Jackson. So I think both these teams uh, will be scoring some points because even against good defenses, which the Ravens are one of the best defenses in the NFL. But sometimes you see these players, they're cheat codes. doesn't seem to matter the matchup, who's guarding them, whatever, um, the, they can score points. So I'll take the over in the Ravens and the Dolphins.
1: All right, Chelsea, uh, We appreciate it. Good luck this weekend with all the bets. We'll get there. It's almost playoff time in the NFL. Uh, after listen, The next time we talk, we'll have a national championship to be talking about. This is a big-time weekend of football uh, into New Year's Day. We appreciate your insight, as always, and enjoy it.
0: Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. That was the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger Insider Calls, presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. And as we get ready for the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and it's uh, it's going to be a good one, I think, you know, It won't be probably what we expected roster-wise, but I think, Tommy, like, in fairness, both teams are sort of dealing with it a little bit. And Chelsea talked about it. That's awesome. I forget that she's an NC State grad, and and that's her team. It's good to hear they're kind of in that same mode of, like, what are we doing here? Uh, What are we doing with our roster? One of their best players is out, and here's K-State, you know, rolling in in the same capacity. I don't – I I mean – you you almost have to just throw... I think I'll just bet K-State minus two and a half just because we'll be rooting so hard for Avery Johnson. But otherwise,
2: like I just don't know. It's such a weird dynamic. And it's been this way for a while. And especially with the transfer portal and all of that. Man, like, it's just been so weird with bowl games. Knowing that on the one hand, you'd never know what a team's composition and makeup is going to look like. But then that's on the one hand. And so you can have, you know, bad performances from teams that look nothing like they did during the regular season. But then on the flip side, you have performances like the guy from USC last night that we've never seen before. Six touchdowns. And it's crazy. Right. And and we celebrate it. and It's fun to watch and it's exciting and all of that. So it's a double edged sword between teams like you have no idea sometimes what they're going to look like. But then you find diamonds in the rough. Occasionally, too, and that's the wildness of bowl season.
1: So, it, it we get and we get that with the two teams that we follow here in Kansas yeah. and Kansas State. Two very different reasons potentially to be excited. On one hand, you have KU who's returning everybody, right? They get an entire roster back here, um, and and then you've got and that's and I get grain, you know, basically, and then you get K State. And it's like, okay, we've got all of these new players. But again, and, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, these are new players that like, almo- in almost every circumstance we're really excited to have, right? They're new players that were highly touted recruits. They're new players in some cases like Avery Johnson that people were clamoring for to be the starter this year anyway. So I don't want to totally like – dismiss it and say, oh, well, K-State, you know, they're dismissing all their players. They shouldn't do whatever X, Y, Z. Like, no, they, they probably should still. And and it does provide. I mean, if you can just imagine for a second K-State coming back, coming out tonight and playing really well, then the buzz will be just as high in Manhattan this year as it is in Lawrence currently. Like, that's out there. I think, Tommy, it's it's more about what Connor Riley does and, like, what what does K-State do to replace Colin Klein long-term? And we'll get the latest from Fitz on this. I don't know if – I don't know what the expectation is there. But his, his role tonight is probably just as big as, you know, anything that that's going to happen on the field that we don't see is how he handles that.
2: You know, it's interesting the different parallels between – and we talked about it yesterday – where KU is right now and where K-State is right now. And the one thing that they do have in common – is they lost their offensive coordinators. Both of them did. And that was a question going into KU's bowl game. What will that offense look like without Andy Kotelnicki? And then the question, I think, for K-State is, what does that offense look like without Colin Klein? Then you take it a step further, and you've got a, a young quarterback that he is not only the quarterback of the future, but he's now the quarterback of the present for the Wildcats with a new offensive coordinator. I mentioned it yesterday. I think that this game for Kansas State, If there's a good showing for them today against NC State, regardless of the final score, but if there are good plays, good drives, good performances, all of that, it's going to make it that much more exciting to look ahead to the fall with Avery Johnson. Not that if they have a bad showing, all of a sudden the air is let out of the balloon, but it makes it that much more easier to be able to look ahead and say, all right, well, this team is going to be exciting to watch next fall with Avery Johnson under center. And who's going to call the plays next year,
1: right? right. I, I think so. Just remember back to how Colin Klein got the job in the first place. Colin Klein got the job when I'm not sure the expectation was for him to get the job, and then he they performed really well in a bowl game, and he got the full time gig. Connor Riley's in the exact same situation. He's been with Klein for a lot longer than Klein had been at that point, and remember the K State offense was struggling. Right. When Klein took over, that's not the case now. But the continuity, I think, matters to some degree. The fact that you've had somebody who's in, you know, in some capacity, been working with Avery Johnson all year anyway matters. But in a best case scenario for K-State fans, Connor Riley will be the offensive coordinator next year. And that's because they looked really good tonight in this game. And then you can just continue the momentum that's already been built. I, I'm I think that what happens with offensive coordinator is as interesting as anything next year because you have to you have to continue that momentum that Klein started. The loss of Klein will be immense. It will be big. Unless, you know, somebody else on the staff can continue the momentum, which is totally within the realm of possibilities, right? Yeah. I don't know if they'll be able to recruit at the same level without Colin Klein, but maybe they can still coach at the same level. You know what i mean like that's that klein was such a big part of what they do for two reasons is coaching and is recruiting they've got to at least be able to get the coaching part to continue
2: and the development with the quarterback position sure that's, that's big also and colin klein brought that experience of playing under center in manhattan for a number of years and then worked with developing those quarterbacks the good thing though is that you also have Chris Kleiman as the head coach who has a history of developing quarterbacks. So it was a one-two punch with both of them. You've lost one of those guys, but at least you still have Kleiman as the head coach who has a background in that sort of thing. So I think that's a huge reason why Avery Johnson did stick around.
1: Have you ever been as excited to watch a college football player for the first time? And it's not the first time we're seeing Avery Johnson. I hate even saying that because it's not the case. You know what I mean, though. Like, I, I can't remember a, yeah. a, a sort of debut or whatever you want to call this that has me as excited just to see And it, I know it's because he's local and we've watched him for so long. Right. But, man, it's it's going to be I, – I, I hope this works out and he's as big a star as we all think he might be. It's just going to be so I think we so may fun. be
2: looking at, you know, potentially a coming out party for Avery Johnson. It's a, it's a great way – He had one. He nationally, had one. Coming but, out but on party a as a passer. Level, right. Yep. Yeah, as, as a passer. As
1: a passer, yeah. Because everyone thinks be he's fun. just this great athlete that runs around. Right. And we all know – I mean, I, I tell people this. He's he's one of the more gifted throwers of the football at the prep level. He's not one of. He is the most gifted thrower no. of the football I've ever seen at the prep level covering high school football for 20 years now. he's He's got the best arm I've ever seen. It's just different when he throws the ball. So I can't wait to see that and hopefully that translate tonight. That game – Coming up, 445 kick. You'll hear it on KFH. We'll talk more about it with our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald, on the other side here. Stick with us. All Broadcasters, Sports Daily, coming right back.
0: Sports. later news.